Next Chapter Podcasts. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, everybody? I want to take a second to tell you about Next Chapter Podcast. Next Chapter has been producing the 500 since the jump. And not only are they making the 500, but they are making some really cool shows and podcasts with this incredible company. They have stuff like Play On, which takes Shakespeare and reimagines it in different places and times, like a jazz-infused San Francisco setting for its translation of King Lear, which starred the one and only Keith David from Platoon, you know, the deep voice guy, like, yeah. There's also Scopophilia, where host Becky Teller talks with guests about the world of film from a millennial perspective. If you like sketch comedy, Midnight Public Radio may be the gonzo NPR parody you didn't know you needed to hear. And if you love sports, you cannot miss the Rex Chapman Show. It's all audio gold, and you're going to love every minute of it. So along with some much-needed ads, you're going to be hearing a lot more from NCP from time to time. Listen and learn more at www.ncpodcast.com or by following Next Chapter on all social media at N-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S. That's Next Chapter Podcast. Now, back to the show. The 500, the 500, J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition, so it ain't nothing to new, hundreds more to go, and in need of a friend, the king of these four, Angelo, talking the 500 until the end, talking the 500 until the end. My man J.M. On the 500, talking the 500 until the end. And let this train keep on riding, riding on through. People all over the world. It's Love Train by the OJs from their 72 album Backstabbers. It's also number 318 out of 500 on the 500. What's up, everybody? What do I have to promote? Well, we got a YouTube. You can watch these videos. YouTube.com backslash Josh Adam Myers. And we have a Patreon. And if you subscribe for $5 a month, we will let read your questions to the guests online. Patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. Ooh, what do I have coming up? I... Uh, so I've just taped a Netflix special. I've just gotten back from LA. This is all stuff. I'm recording this in fucking April. So whenever this comes out, just know that I love you. Um, May 19th through the 22nd, I'll be at the House of Comedy in Minnesota. So bring your Juicy Lucy's and your ladies of the night. I also will be 
at the DC Improv headlining the 24th and the 25th in Washington, D.C. at one of the greatest comedy clubs in the world. And then June 27th, the 930 Club Goddamn Comedy Jam. It is going to be insane. It is the 30th anniversary of the DC Improv. This is a dream weekend for me playing at arguably the greatest rock music venue in all the land. I've seen so many bands there from Tenacious D to Radiohead to Velvet Revolver's first show to The Darkness to Old Dirty Bastard. I've seen every, I've seen the roots there like 15 times. I, I talked about this, I think, on the first episode where I saw Outcast and opening for them was Black Eyed Peas and Black Eyed Peas annihilated, like annihilated. So June 27th in Washington, D.C., Monday night. It's going to be me. It's going to be Jessica Curson, Adam Ray, Steve Byrne. The lineup goes on. Red Grant, fucking Rachel Feinstein. It's a dream gig for me. And I can't thank, I can't thank the staff, Antoine in, in particular, uh, for setting this up and listening to my recommendations. Because they wanted me to do a jam at the DC Improv. And I was like, dude, we're fucking up. And then I'll be at Montreal for JFL. I'll be in Cancun. I'll be at Skankfest. I got a bunch of stuff. Backstabbles. This is a good one. Kind of. The tracks that stick out, stick out. The ones that don't, well, you'll hear it. Me and Derek talk about it. My guest today is uh, my biggest enemy. Uh, and also the love of my life, the one and only Derek Gaines. Derek is one of the funniest comics I've ever seen. I love this guy's energy. Uh, he's literally, I'm the white him, he's the black me. If he heard me say that, he would fucking slap me across the face. Uh, I always bring him weed. We're smoking weed throughout this whole thing. Uh, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, you've, you know Derek from The Last OG. He's, he's just on a bunch of stuff. The King of Staten Island. He just taped a Netflix special under the Pete Davidson umbrella. But the guy is a star. And, uh, you know, I wanted him on. I wanted to talk to a friend because that's the shit that keeps me going. Rate, review, and subscribe to The 500 anywhere. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Also, if you're looking for tickets, joshadammyers.com. And follow me on TikTok and all the other stuff, guys. I'm putting up videos now, and um, we're trying to build a following. That's what that's my like catchphrase. Like, trying to get a social media following since 2006. Uh, email the podcast, 500podcast at gmail.com. We got a Facebook group. I, a guy named Evan runs it. And for all things 500, we have a website, the500podcast.com. All right, 318. Backstabbers by the OJs. All right, so OJs. I I, I kind of threw a I threw a hail mary because I'm getting ready to go out of town, and I was like, we got to book this. And my booker was looking around and, and asking for like some older people, and I was like, ah, I was like, let me let me try Derek. I want to get Derek on anyway, but I also have a feeling there's that you might have grown up or somehow this ended up in your ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So. Do you, like were the OJs being played? Like, how did do you remember the first time you might have heard them? Um, I really got into the OJs more when I was watching this movie called uh, what was it called? Um, Strictly Business. What was that? Who's in that? And uh, Strictly Business is a nice black movie. Halle Berry's in it. T- uh, Tommy Davidson, the black dude from the Cosby Show, that was um, Denise's husband. Remember Denise's husband? Wait, which one? The, the, the black dude from the from the army or whatever. Yeah. Oh, I remember army. Him. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that movie, there was a part in there with a montage, and it was the money, 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 money. That whole shit, right? Yeah. Mom, who's that? Oh, that's the OJ. The money, money, money song is the OJ. Oh yeah. And, you know, and I went back, and they got backstabbers and. 
all that shit. People, all that shit because you go, oh, damn, well, I didn't know that was them because Gerald, uh, the guy, Levert, was the lead. And then Levert had a son, Levert. And he sang, and I used to listen to Levert back in the night. My mom used to bump Levert on the fucking, uh, on the radio. Yeah. Part 99. Well, you, you grew up in the suburbs. Yeah. That's like your whole thing. My whole thing. All right. So wait, so, so tell me, tell us a little bit about yourself. I want the backstory. I want to know when you leave here today, right. I want to be like, I know. Okay. The Derek uh, Gaines. You know, born in, a, born in an Air Force base in California. Uh, my mother and my father met in the service. And after a quick divorce, um, my father went on to just stay in the service and my mother went back home to Philly. And for a long time, I was living with my grandmother, my aunt, and my mother. And then my mom got more money and we start moving around to apartments and all that. So we, but the funny thing, if we moved to an apartment that was in a shiftier, you know, shaky part of town, she wouldn't let me go outside. So she'd always bring me back to the suburbs. So when she got enough money to actually move to the suburbs, I already felt accustomed to it. And I was like, oh, this feels a little better. So it wasn't that I always grew up in the burbs, but I always grew up sheltered to where I felt like I was a rich kid. Because even if we weren't, my mom did a lot of working to make me look better. Like, I'm like all my, my clothes were always clothes, fly. Yeah. You know, I had no boogies in my nose. I was never, never did I starve. Yeah, I don't think you've ever had dry skin in your whole life. No, I was born with <laughs> eczema. So Were I had, you really? I've had dry skin my entire no life. No way. You hide it very well. Born with, yeah, because I'm on injections now. I'm going to fucking do Pixit. Fuck I had to yeah, wait dude. fucking 35 years until they came out with a cure for this shit. But yeah, before that, it was a lot of creams, a lot of dousing. Shit, when I was born, they dipped me into a vat of A&D ointment. I was going to say, I'm dude. Yeah, they dipped see me in tattooed healing cream. So, yeah, so my whole life I struggled with eczema. Like struggled with it. Yeah. Know, flare-ups in school, flare-ups at home. Summer was the worst thing. So that's why I don't like beaches. I don't like going on fucking Fuck. vacation. I don't like any of that. I like wearing layers of clothes all year long. You can ask anybody. I don't think I've ever seen you not wearing yeah. like a but full. If I, I wear shorts. Seen you in a t-shirt. If I, if I wear shorts, it's a full moon. <laughs> they be like, oh, it must be a full moon. Or Mercury's in retrograde because this nigga got shorts on. I just, I cover up. And I'm not even fat. Like, you know, it's just you like, I just don't like my blotchy fucking skin. So I'm it. always just, I always got to, why do you think I like jackets so much? Love jackets. You Love always, me a jacket. You oh, I, If there is anybody in comedy that has a more robust jacket connection or collection than you, I, I don't know who it is. I don't know who yeah, it man, is. It's going to be me. It's you. You're, you're fucking, you're jacket supreme. So you have eczema, you're grown up in... <laughs> And that's true. I had a grandmother from uh, Philly. Yeah. Originally from Florida. And she was tough. So she figured her way to toughen me up. She had she needed a way to toughen me up because it was no my father was in the West. Yeah. So my grandma wanted to be my father somehow, so I wouldn't come out fancy, as she would say, or with a high butt or a fairy or whatever. Yeah. Right? So my grandma would call me ugly a lot. And this shit was so funny. So my mom had to defend me to your grandma. Grandmother. But to this day, I appreciate my grandmother for being an asshole because I'm an asshole now. So I go, Shirley would have been proud. Shirley. Shirley would have been real proud to see how I move around the city now because she was a tough lady. You are Shirley. Shirley was a tough lady, man. I never met her. Yeah. You're Shirley. You Big got drinker. Yeah. Smoke four pack of cigarettes in two days. You don't drink. I don't drink. You don't drink, but you smoke a lot of weed. I smoke a lot of weed only because my grandma smoked a lot of cigarettes and I hate cigarette smoke. I got it. Yeah, mine So too. I was like, I always liked how she smoked, but I hated the smell. I hated the film. I hated her breath. I always smelled like a goddamn chimney. All that. 
But uh, yeah, and my mom, I remember when I was a kid, my mom would go drinking and then she'd be in the bathroom throwing up. And I'm like, that's not fun. And that's true. I went, as I grew up in school, high school, a lot of high school drinking, they'd fuck up scholarships and uh, uh, be fucking girls in the A stairwell getting chicks pregnant. Yeah. Uh, drunk driving, uh, car accidents. And I just never was like, this is what alcohol does to you? Motherf-? Like, no, I'm not. And my mother was great because she was like, well, if you don't fuck up in school, I'm going to get you stuff. So if you do good in school, you get anything you the want. The bribe, yeah, the so bribe works. I was like, well, alcohol looks like it slows up that process. And I was in high school, so mm-hmm. I was like, I'm gonna just, you know, I'm gonna get in my books. I just focus. I just do. I just do homework. You're a good student. Yeah. So and you're it wasn't smart. Even you're for sure smart. Your perspective on stage is a great perspective. Yeah, so so know, you have to be, you have to know your shit. Yeah, mom always got like if I got honor roll, I got steak dinners. Nice. Like if I, you know, if I got honor roll, new pair of sneaks, honor roll, new sweatsuit, something like that. It was always that because I'm an only child. Some spoiled, and my mother sheltered me. She did. She really did. So, being that you're sheltered, and so it doesn't sound like you're hanging out with a lot of friends because you got eczema. Your mom's restricting you. Grandma's being a bitch to you. <laughs> but I still had a lot of friends. You do? No, I don't doubt it. But I, I mean, doesn't, oh, go ahead. I was, I was, I was a pretty cool school kid, man. White kids or black kids? Both. Right? You have so it's a mixed race. I went to Greenberg school. Elementary in Northeast Philly. It's a Jewish ran school, but black kids went too. Nice. So I had Koreans, blacks, Jews, and, and everything in between. Recess was always a, a smorgasbord of all color kids just being great. Just be, so, what, so, like, so, so who's what? What music are you being introduced to at a young age? Like, what are you? What hip hop? Everything on the radio. It's all I, all hip hop. I was a '90s kid, so the golden age of hip hop was '90s. They yeah. played all that shit on the radio. I remember. So it was like when you hear Tribe and. And you hear all the mob deeps and, and the Jay Z's and the Biggies and the pop on the radio. God, God I, I, I bet you were wearing. Fu- did you? How much Fubu did you have? I didn't have Fubu. You got snapped on Philly. The East Coast was different. Fubu was a no no in Philly. Is that really? Fubu was a no no in Philly. You would get clown for eight hours if you went and came to school. With Fubu in Philadelphia, really? Oh, that's a rap. No, Philly is about Coogee. Philly about polo. <laughs> is that, Philly yeah. about iceberg. Philly was about uh, the Snoopy, uh, the Snoopy with the sunglasses. Yeah, is that all the iceberg. Kuji iceberg. Uh, Moschino. You. That's that what one. you gotta be wearing. Fubu nigga. Oh, they would get your ass. <laughs> nah, you had to be fly. Air Force Ones. This guest jeans with the pin pocket in the cuff. Yeah, with the fucking Kuji socks on. Like you had to be fly. So I learned all that shit back high school because I didn't know I wasn't fly. So I got teased into being, you either going to cry every day because you can't fight, or you a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> You're scared to talk to the big titty girl in typing yeah. class. That's your problem. So something in me snapped. Like something in me straight snapped. I was like, I can't do this no more. I was getting teased, so I started watching Def Jam and all that. Yeah. And that's when it, that's when it that's clicked. That's when I started seeing because I saw people laughing. Do you remember the, do you remember the, the set that, that turned you? Do you yeah. remember the- uh, who, Chris who, Rock, Bigger and Blacker. It, all right, so yeah, so that that HBO special at 14 years old changed your life. As, it it jaw dropped because the beauty of it was, it was only the first. It was like that was the only that was the first monster I was introduced to, Chris Rock, and then a year later, 2000, I'm 15, and now I'm trying to figure out 10th grade. You know, I you know I'm trying to find. I got a little job, yeah. putting on better shoes and shit like that. Right, uh, 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 I'm in the band. I'm playing music in, in jazz band and all that. And then this little, this dude, skinny dude named Dave Chappelle drops. Killing, killing me softly, softly, yeah. And and I was 15 years old. 
And a, something in me was like, you're probably going to do this at some point. And I just kind of was like, I don't, I need to know how to do that. And yeah. then I was 50, and then I just kind of said, I'll just be funny in school. I remember watching Killing Me Softly. I went out on a date with this chick that I met at a rave. I took her to Red Lobster and okay. we went and got food. And Classy. We went, we went, hey man, when you're 18 years Cheddar old, 19 biscuit. years old, when you're 19 years old, that's a nice restaurant. You know, just, it's just. They got the cheddar bay biscuits. They got, they got the, the biscuits, the seafood. My, I had a hookup there. Ultimate my buddy feast. Joel. Ultimate feast. Ultimate, yeah, the, the shrimp scampi piece. with those weird small shrimp. The scampis. And I brought the girl home to my parents' basement, and we put on Killing Me Softly, and we started hooking up, and I was going down on her at one point, and he said something, because the sound's on, and I laughed into her pussy. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like, blew air into it, like... <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so 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 obviously, yeah, same with me, like Chris Rock, uh, Bring the Pain, all the same shit. Mine was, mine was uh, the one that really, really got me into wanting to do it was Martin Lawrence, You So Crazy. Oh, absolutely. Okay. That was... I saw that when I was young, and I still, and I like it to this day. It sucks that he never lived up to that ever again. You know, hey, Run he, Tell That was terrible compared to that. He peaked at You So Crazy. Yeah. Um, so, so, so you're, you, you see Chris Rock, you're listening to the hip hop, like, like, so are the OJs or is soul like in your life at all? Is your well, you mom? you hear those songs when, you know, your mother's cleaning the house or your grandma's walking around smoking a cigarette, drinking, drinking a little, whatever she used to drink. Let's say cognac. Yeah. When she, cause my grandma was, a, she was a partier. My grandma used to party. That was the beauty of Shirley. She partied. I remember she used to make me a host. All right, little nigga, come here. I was like five or six. You're going to take everybody's coats, put them in my bedroom. I filled up the bathtub with ice, and I put beers all in there. Nice. So when they ask for a beer, you go to the bathroom, get them a beer, bring it back. All right? All right, now enjoy yourself. Smack me on the ass. And, you know, and I'm like, all right. So when motherfuckers came to the door, she was friends with all these bus drivers from SEPTA. SEPTA was the, the metro in Philly. Yeah. So she got all these token cops and all these bus drivers coming through the house. They having a good time. So on the radio, they playing the oldies. So I'm, I'm, so I'm certain the OJs had to pop up. But yeah, it was just a, an environment. My grandma was a vibe. She was a vibe. So that's why I'm a vibe now. I think. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. Well, what is, like, when they say Philly Soul, and I want to almost look up some of these bands just to see who is in that ecosystem of Philadelphia Soul. I was at, we were at the Cellar last night, mm -hmm. and, uh, what are we talking about, Philly Soul, and, and I started singing Backstabbers because you were there, and I was just like, you know, it's, I, when I start getting ready to tape one of these, I start you know, you listen to the record 10 times in like two days. Mm -hmm. And I sang, I was like, you know, 
You know, they're foaming in your face. Oh, babe, I'm gonna get your space. Backstabbers. Backstabbers. And this, this chick that was with Artie Fuqua started singing it with me. And, and then, oh, then so did Simeon. Yeah. Which, I, I, you know, and, and it's just, that is the difference between growing up in a white household and a black household is that it's just the music that's played in the background. Yeah, like, you know, my household, it's like, did soul make its way in there? Al Green did. Marvin Gaye did. Um, who else? Uh, Otis Redding. My dad loved Otis Redding. Makes it um, easy. He's, that's my fucking dog. Dude. But but also it's like I was like a big jazz household with my dad. So it's Miles Davis, and then like my dad listening to those white vocal groups like the Four Freshmen, and and you know the real lame shit. It's not lame. It's my just, pops listen to jazz a lot. Yeah, he liked um he liked a lot of uh jazz guitar players, and he listened to Sade a lot. So I, when I was in D.C. hanging out with my pop, I used to hear Sade a lot when he was barbecuing, when he was cleaning the house. And he was like, because Sade was his bitch, man. Sade, he always The people Sade. that love Sade love Sade. Yeah, Tony so Baker loves yeah. Sade. Sade. And, he's, and he defends her till the day he Sade's dies. Sade's deliciously a gorgeous old woman, and she was a gorgeous young woman. And her song, that her, her I guess that deep voice, but it's, not, it's, it's, it's right, you just be like, I like Shadow. I like So it's like, I grew up with all the vibes. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I think I do comedy and I listen to all this music before I go on stage because I just go, you know, it's it's close it's close to each other. The arts are close. Music and comedy is very close. Very similar. It's an emotion that, right. that, you, the that, the that audience, I, the audience feels something, a deep connection with the joke, just like they feel a deep connection with the laughter, the just music. like they feel a deep connection with, you know, the, the song. The so Songs make me cry more than any other art form. Like, I can go see a movie. I went to see everything, everywhere, all at once. I think That I movie was astounding. Astounding. One of the best movies. I can't recommend that to I everybody I was watching enough. it high. I was like, yo, this shit is low-key incredible. Like, I was what, how they kept the story. But now, if I could talk. Go. The OJ's no are exaggeration. Let's say... I'll say that this this guy I'm about to bring up must have been listening to the OJs. <laughs> Nigga, short round from Indiana Jones yeah. killed that shit. I know he did. And I was like, that's not the little Asian kid from Indiana Jones, is it? Oh, yeah. And then when I found out it was him, I said, where the fuck has he been? And my Lord, he has so much time to practice because I ain't seen him. And then for, ha for him to have that kind of performance, was it was, it was he, amazing. Well, well I, I, are you? do we have the same lawyer? Are you Jeff Cohen, too? Jeff Cohen, Cohen Gardner, and uh, it doesn't make a difference. Dude, but, so for, the Goonies, right? The Goonies, dude. Yeah. That's your, that's your lawyer? That's my, those, that's my team of guys. Okay, yeah. perfect. Me too. He's best friends with him. He yeah. is best friends with Short Round. Short Round. And, and they've just, throughout the years, they've just taken pictures together and they post it. And then when I went to go see this and I saw him in the beginning, I immediately recognized him because his voice is so specific that I was like, oh, that's Short Round. And but then you found out because you get you get off. You're like, I don't think he's been anything in 25 years. And he hadn't. And then you look, he's been doing that, like background training, the martial arts for movies. So he's stayed in the business. He's just not acting. And then he's smart. And, and then, then he got he this script burner. And I'm like, oh, yeah. this shit is a burner. I was in I was in there geeking out like a, like a real suburb kid. I'm like, oh, these multiverses and this story with that story. And then it had gone and the girl and the fight scenes were insane. I'm like, so good. the fight scenes was incredible. I'm like, what is this movie, man? <laughs> I know. The it's... raccoon part. And I'm like, Duh! it was funny. <laughs> yeah, it was sound. It was funny. It was they sweet. They better win all the awards. It's going to win. It's uh, going to win nothing. It's time for Asians to take over the Oscars again. Black people was doing crazy shit. White people, you're boring. 
So it's time because when uh when they won for that movie, uh, uh Which, Parasite, Parasite Oscars was great. I'm like, give it to the Koreans. <laughs> they don't cause no ruckus. Ain't nobody getting slapped. You know, white people ain't making a mistake on the fucking cue card. So I'm they they should just dominate. I think this one we Asians need, we need a good a, Asian run at the. They're Oscars having a year. moment, dude. I need them to get a good Asian run. They, they, we blacks and whites is fucking up the Oscars right now. So give it back to the Asians. They had bad PR with with Wuhan. That really made them bad look PR, bad. Bad PR, but they still acted their ass off, man. <laughs> they killed it. They had bad PR with that, and then Shang-Chi they... still came out, and that shit was fire. It's a, that was, I saw that on the airplane, so I Wuhan, wasn't... Uh... Yeah, yeah. Shang-Chi was fly as fuck, bro. I was like, I don't give a fuck, bats. That goofy shit. I love these niggas, man. Because you question, because you question, <laughs> I mean this sincerely. I mean this sincerely. This is an honest question. There, I always feel like, like Jews kind of identify with with blacks in this weird way because it's like the Holocaust we have have a very historical struggle do you do do you think but Asians also feel like they have a connection to black people too and I don't even know if it's because they be frying our wings in the hood yes so double fry the wings they do the nails (laughs) and the feet and they sell them hair and fish sandwiches so I can understand why you feel connected because in Brooklyn my god yes that's most of the food right under the J train is the Asians hooking it up? So I, yeah, I, I understand. I okay. feel a connection with them. And then I think that the that that the you Asians have wings and fries for four dollars. I've had double fried. Kore- I've had double. Man. Dude, I lived in LA for fourteen years. I'd go to Koreatown get double fried wings. Double fucking... fried. They double fried wings, yeah. man. Of course, yeah. they feel a connection to us. But I also feel like shit. I also feel like the Korean, the Koreans, the Asians. Like I think it got even more amplified when Wu Tang kind of adopted the whole martial arts and all of that shit. We appropriated the hell out of that shit. Yeah, but we did it. <laughs> Thank you for black people appropriate shit. It, it it makes it just it does better for everybody. We truly are the bag advance of society. Like we really do be helping out. It really like, it really is. It's really like you know that when the Republicans start using a term or saying, saying something, it's like, it's like, I mean, that means that white people usually took it from black people and made it in, you know, took it to even more popularity, but like woke or what was a cancel, you know, like cancel his ass. That's from new Jack city. Cancel that bitch. Cancel that bitch. And then, and then (laughs) the white people appropriate it. And now the Republicans are now saying it and it takes all the fucking bullshit out of it. Why couldn't they use lullaby his ass? They didn't say that. Why- <laughs> Rock-a-bye, baby. Remember that? Fuck you it, down the street and you lullaby his ass. I said, Wesley Snipes is the greatest villain of all times. I was like, what? When he used the little girl as a, to shield the bullets? I say, yeah. This, this. I think there's a fact. Nino Brown might be the, one of the... He's up there with the Joker. Uh, I w- Listen, I'm not going to say you're wrong. What I am going to say, though, if maybe if more people play him, play, play that the, character... Yeah, but I don't know if anybody else can play Nino Brown. Like, Wesley Snipes can't do it because he looks like fucking yeah he looked death nah he yeah he looks that motherfucker he is cancer. straight death all right look there's some there's a connection that I want to all right so uh, it's not really I would say well I guess Carlito's way backstabbers is in the movie Carlito's way so mm-hmm. I got to bring this back we got to talk about the OJ's a little bit I could just talk I I did Smile not smile in your face all the while <laughs> no, take no, your place backstabbers your... that's what it was so all right Martin so, in the show Martin references the OJ's does he really yeah. See, I just, I, I, to be honest with you, I had no idea that the OJs even sang Love Train. Yeah. I just have heard their name. I, I've known, in a sense, about them. So just here, I'll do a little spiel to Wait, everybody. People, this is a neat song. Who sings it? Oh, Black Guys? Cool. This is, for the, this is for the white listeners. We've got a lot of them. 
the OJs formed in Canton, Ohio in 58 while its members were in high school. They were originally known as the Mascots and then the Triumphs. They had their first minor hit in the Cleveland area in 61 with a song called Miracles. They switched their name to the OJs in 63 after Cleveland uh, disc jockey Eddie OJ. The initial lineup consisted, and I think you kind of touched on this a little bit, Eddie Levert, Walter Williams, William Powell, Bill Isles, and Bobby Massey. Frank Frankie Little Jr. was also a member for some time in the 60s. Their first national chart hit, Lonely Drifter, peaked at 93 on the Billboard Hot 100, and their okay. debut release coming through came out shortly later the group churned out numerous singles in the 60s but they only had one top 10 hit i'll be sweeter tomorrow before 72 despite the group being a mainstay in the r&b world they considered leaving the music industry altogether but only isles and massey left the group leaving the ojs as a trio and that's who was on the cover of the record we're talking about today at this point that's when they pop pop yeah well i don't know in the picture I mean, I, I I'd have to look at their their Dark Lord Spotify like 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 plays, but I bet you everything is from after those the other guys left. At this point, they were signed to a new label, Philadelphia International, that had a team of producers they were familiar with, and that leads us to today's record. Uh, do we have anything about this? During the remainder of the seventies, the OJ. This is about I guess post stuff. The OJ's continued releasing hits. But love trade is everywhere. That's like in movies, commercials. Yeah, commercials were, I think, the first but place no, I ever heard it. Love Train was on uh, the beginning of Hitch. I see Hitch, I just, you know what? And maybe it's, I don't know, maybe I'm like, I like Will Smith. Now I don't. It's not about you liking Will Well, that, yeah, that took that, that took off a lot of points. A but lot of Hitch, points, The dude. opening of Hitch is Love Train. People all over the world. He's explaining <laughs> what his job is, and motherfuckers are falling in love with the montage and all that. And it's love train, and then they do the thing where they send off the fucking the thing in the Asian girl and the white guy, and, and then the love train's playing. Oh, Can I be honest with yeah. you then? Can I be honest with you then? I don't think love train fits on this record. I don't think, dude. If you listen, let me pull up the tracks of all this stuff. Love train don't fit on the album, you mean? Yes, that's what I meant. But all the other songs. Are- so, all right. So, so to talk about this record, because I got some interesting facts, I got some cool stuff. We got all the track listings and stuff. When the album started. When the world's at peace. This is keep this in mind, everybody. This is the first time I've ever listened to an OJ's record and and literally had no idea Love Train was theirs until it came on when I was working out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, is I was like, oh, maybe the album started going to like random songs. You know, after like on Spotify, it'll just like go and start playing whatever's in the genre. And I was like, oh, and then I was like, oh, wait, Love Train's on it. Love Train doesn't fit. The when the world's at peace, yes. Backstabbers, yes. Who am I? Mr. Lucky, time to get down. Mm-hmm, 99 mm-hmm. to argument, 992 arguments. Listen to the clock on the wall. Shiftless, shady, jealous kind of people. Sunshine. They're all, well, all right. Maybe, because after just reading all the titles of this, maybe, because the album's called Backstabbers, and there is a song uh, about backstabbers mm-hmm, on it. Mm-hmm. People get stabbed, stabbed in the back. Yeah. And and all these songs are kind of like you know there's there's 992 arguments shiftless shady jealous kind of people oh, yeah. when the world's at peace but it doesn't sound like they're singing about peace it almost sounds like they're singing about like the hardships in the That's world probably when the other two members quit that's when they start singing them real songs like oh for they, sure they probably they, they all, these are probably all diss tracks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know who backstabbers is about yeah, we don't even have to tell you that's some Philly shit. 
But this, but, a, this is a soulful diss track album. <laughs> but, they, but then Love Train comes on and maybe, and maybe I'm wrong, or maybe I am right, and I wish we could find out this fact if Adam was here, but, but basically maybe Love Train is kind of like we've been through all the negative stuff, but this is how we're coming out. Oh, wow. That's and this deep. is how we're going to live. And now, so, yo, this, you're a backstabber, but, yo, I'm on the Love Train, and I'm just fucking, I'm riding into the ethos of life, and it's beautiful. I don't know. Your thoughts? <laughs> Love Train is just a good song. I figured they needed one banger. Like, what? we need a light banger after all the shitting on people. But that'd be the one, and that's the song that's like one of their most popular, I think. So it's just like... I, I think it's... If if I did my... I, mean, I, I wish I had my... But yeah. Backstabbers is good because they smile on your face. And all the while, they want to take your place. That's that's a deep line. I see. I, I didn't even know those were. The, I knew it was. I they they smile in your face. All the while, they want to take your place. Backstab. See, I thought oh, it was. I thought it was. God. All the while, they want to doodly do. No, dumbass. <laughs> it's real lyrics. I know. You think black black dudes is going? We going? We going? They speak doodly do. Yeah, no. They gonna have all these words and then end with doodly do. No, it's a point. They smile on your face all the while they want to take your place backstabbers. That's so, talk about the game. That's the game. So That's okay. why when you don't surround yourself with real ones, that's what the fuck they be talking about. So let me ask you this. When have you been stabbed in the back? Stabbed in the back? Never. Disrespected? Yeah. Is, but would not you, stabbed in the back. Do you consider a disrespect to stab in the back, I especially like if it's by a friend? I like the fact that in comedy, especially the way I talk and I, and I make chicks mad, they don't do that in back. They like to tell you to your face they don't like it. So I go, and it turns me on so much. I oh, really like that. She tells me that yeah. she can't hate. Like, something about a bitch just having that much emotion to tell me some shit to my handsome fucking face. I go, there's no <laughs> way there's malice but in your heart. Like, you can, you can say this all you want, but you're too close to me for you to really hate me. Yeah, 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 <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Like, so... Not backstabbed. I get disrespected to my face, and then because I'm, you know, I'm an asshole. I say, I just, I say disrespectful things to other people. Has anybody ever, ever, anybody ever disrespected you? But after it was done, you were like, you were like, okay, like, nah, I respect how they did that. No, I've been, I've been. Sometime I've been brought on stage, disrespect, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but can, I can't even really think of. You see, what I'm saying, like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm searching for a time when it was, like, I've had people. Uh, Open micers, people that I knew weren't going to last long, mm-hmm. just tell me all kinds. I'm a bully. I'm this. I'm that. Uh, you're not really that funny. You only. Oh, here's a good one. Yeah. You don't kill for yourself. Like who the fuck are you? How are you? How are you to tell me what the fuck I kill for? Right. What do you think they? You think you're? What I don't, you don't even know what you that don't means. Dig. Um, uh, you're too observational. You don't talk about yourself. I'm like that's a crock of shit. But uh, we get it. You. Uh, was it? It's like I'm pop. That's what it makes it sound like. You're just a pop artist up there. Like, oh, so they're saying you're just you're just I'm throwing out it. You're, not, you're just throwing it. No, I don't know. That it's not funny. Like when you go, I would never want to be like there, whatever. And all you do is sing songs. I go, <laughs> okay. But I like when they say that. I mean, like, I'm glad because I get too much praise everywhere else. How fast did you, how fast was your, like, Plateau, because I met you at New Faces in 2013. 2013. So, like, when did you start? But I started in 03. 03? Yeah, so it was like, it took me, t- I'm a slow learner. I really think the rise of this shit, I'm so fucking jaded to how long it took. I don't see that I'm this, I'm this, that, that trajectory. I'm working steady. 
thank God. But it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm working steady. God is great. But it took me 10 years to get to that. Yeah. Because I did five years in Philly and learned about energy and not well-written jokes. So when I got to New York with my good big energy but my shitty jokes, I had to fall off that horse, man. And I had to figure out how to write for a city that's everybody instead of a city that's just Philly. I get it. Get it out of that local mentality, right? Mm -hmm. Get into New York. Understand what it is. And that's just, that should beat me down. So, but, so I'll say it took me, because I really didn't feel funny until I was 30. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, so, you know. I, I don't feel like I figured out what yeah. I wanted to do until now, to be honest with you. Yeah. It was like, you have flashes of it, yeah. but it's not... You're talking about every set yeah. where it's like you're doing what you want to do and yeah. you're doing you th and it's even you're at the point where you're like, if, even if they don't like what I'm doing, I like what I'm doing. To bring it back to music. I feel like a jazz artist now. Yes. On stage. Yes. I shed up there. I shed. I feel like I'm playing the saxophone up that motherfucker. So it's like, like, I know now mm -hmm. I get it now. But this is what I had to. This is what I guess 18 years took. For me to feel this way on stage now, because I feel Christ. a different way now on stage. That's crazy. That I go, I miss, I love these moments. That to where it's like, damn, I can't wait to wake up tomorrow to get back to tomorrow, to get to tomorrow night, to get back up here to fuck around. Because my God, I've never felt more free now because of all the bullshit. So yeah, and then I'm, and then the beauty of that is I get to do it some more if I keep waking up yep. to see if I can push for another. Because I'm not done. Oh, what's gonna happen in the next five years? How good am I going to be at whatever the fuck that's going to happen at this point? Am I going to get heckled and spin the heckle? Or is it going to be a moment where I get a whole crowd to agree on this? Like, just whatever. What magic can happen with this shit is where I'm at now. It is magical. It's, pa it's past premise, you know, bridge punchline. I know that now. I know how to do premise bridge punchline. That algorithm and that formula has been set up. I'm not going back to that because I, 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 I understand that. So, so if I understand that, how far can I swim now? How far can I go with that formula? It's ch -ch -ch tag, rule of threes. That's the rules, but I know the rules. So now I got to go be a master. So it's how, it it's how can so you, long it's how can you break those rules? How and, can I break the rules? And, yeah. and, still be, and still do well. And yeah. like to not, I mean, if, if I, there's like, I watch, I watched Renan Hirschberg do his hour special the other night. And yeah. I can watch a guy that's Renan like him. Is a writer. Yeah. He's he's so funny and his jokes are so well written. And I used to look at that and be like, man, I wish I could do that. And now I'm like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't want to write a joke. That's not who I am. And if I and yeah, if you and sing if, songs. I sing I have fun. With I, a cigarette I, voice. Yeah. I'm like, hey everybody, <laughs> you're a doodle and a scooter, that guy over there. But that's how it works. And that's how I'm different. And no one can do what the fuck I do, just like no one can do what the fuck you do, Absolutely. you know. And that's the key to it. Just like, watch me bring it back. No one could do what the OJ's did. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? <laughs> How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. Hello out there! Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. 
Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! All right, I have some fun facts I want to tell you about Backstabbers. All right, so Backstabbers, we have to talk about that. Even though my, I'm not going to tell you what my favorite song on the record is yet. But, oh, and I got to give a shout out. I got a couple more facts about this band. Original member William Powell died of cancer in 1977 at the age of 35. Damn. Which is, that's young. Before I was even thought of. I know, dude. Sammy Strain of Little Anthony and the Imperials took his place in 78. And then they released their top five single, Used to Be My Girl. Uh, the OJs, I don't even know that yeah, one. Uh, the OJs were inducted in the Vocal Group Hall of Fame in 2004, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2005, and the Rhythm and Blues Music Hall of Fame in 2013. They've also received an NAACP Image Award. Yep. Um, They've seen their asses off. So, for the fellas. Backstabbers is their sixth record considered a landmark of the early 70s soul and has also been called the pinnacle of Philadelphia soul music. Released in August 72 after being recorded in the City of Brotherly Love earlier in the year, certified gold a year later, selling over 500,000 copies. It peaked at number 10 on the U.S. pop charts and number three on the Black Albums charts. There you go. Do you know that? Like, they, it wasn't, so Black Albums wasn't R&B it wasn't hip hop. It was ever. It was all. If you were black, that was the chart that you went on well, to. Black albums. So reggae, Bob Marley and OJ's are on the same thing. Yeah, come on, man. They didn't like it. They still don't like us. <laughs> what are you talking about? I think they love of you. Course. I think uh, they love duh. you, but they they want to be you. Uh, duh, duh. Yeah, of course they put us all in one thing. They didn't feel like breaking up all that flash shit because you know they didn't understand it. So this is this is pretty interesting. But black music. Black, black music rules, dude. White music rules, too. Asian music. Yeah. I mean, you know. I, Everybody I think, music do something. That's but, true. My God, black music. Well, every song that we've ever heard by a white artist since the dawn of music, <laughs> somehow, some way, was taken from a black yeah, artist. somehow, some way. That is the God's honest truth. God's honest truth. All right, so I found, I found that. took potato chips from us. Is that true? Yeah, black dude invented potato chips. Who? This guy named Black Potato Chip. But it, hold on, look it up. I'm, I'm going. Black to... man invented potato chips. White man stole the idea. Hold on for a second. I'm... Look it up. Right. But I'm not here to have a race war. We're here to talk about the OJ. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get a lot of white listeners. I like to tell us white listeners. I love y'all. Come out to a show. Come out to see it. It's all in the heart of fun and love. I'll never because colors don't bother me at all and never will. But it's true. George y'all stole potato chips. George Speck, <laughs> an American Speck. chef. He was known for his role in popularizing potato chips in upstate New York and later mythologized as their creator. Spec, you know, and then it just tells you about him. Died in 1914. Never got to see his chips Never reach the see. level that they have reached today. And I'm so sorry, George. Yeah, but man. Just know you have that- to understand, chips is, is, a, is, a, is a strong point in my life. I've eaten thousands of bags of chips and I, with sandwiches. What's your go-to? Uh, just regular, plain lady. Regular? With the turkey sandwich. Kettle? Mm-mm. Uh, Lay's or uh, what's another good chip? Ruffles, the cheddar sour cream. You ever had uh, cheddar horseradish from Wawa? That's deep. That's probably 
That's That'll a, probably open up your nasal. That'll it's a That'll it's a deep cut, ears, but it's great. So I found this. Well, I didn't. Adam found it. This mm-hmm. is about the song Backstabber, and this okay, is uh, this is what I want to get to. All right, so let's let's find out a little bit behind it, because because all right, because I'm looking at the record. Let me look at the track listings. I want to talk about the, the highlights for me were when the world's at peace. I think that's that might be my favorite. Backstabbers for sure, because of the what they do. Uh, <laughs> 992 arguments and then there was one more and I forgot to label it and that could either be it's not they call me Mr. Lucky it's either I think it's time to get down or who am I but Backstabbers definitely one of the highlights on the record so this is the second single release from it peaking at number three on the pop charts it was a number one hit on the Black Albums chart list in the US and number 14 in the UK Um, let me see Song starts with piano roll, blah, blah, blah. He explained in an interview. All right, so the guy, Leon Huff, explained, Backstabber sounds like something eerie. So that roll of the piano was like something horrible because that's what backstabbers are. It reflected that type of drama. Regarding the elaborate production and orchestral sound, he added, our dream was to play so many counter melodies that came with those songs, and the orchestra was able to put that together. Plus, stereo radio had just come around, and you had a lot of space to fill. God, I can't, yeah, I can't even imagine that, going from mono to stereo, and this, mm. like, the sound, how full. Stereo was much more soothing than mono, so we thought about the mixes we could do. The music was funky and classical at the same time. You know what? I agree with that, Mr. Leon. That's 100% true. Dun, 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 it's, it dun, is. Dun, dun, yeah, it's, it's, very, it's very classical. All right, so this is where I wanted to get to. Wait, you're going to love this. <laughs> oh, baby, going to get your face back, backstabbers. All I, the water will take your The breath. only part I don't like, the only part I don't like in that song what is when they, they do. Go, I don't like that. Why not? That's what the fuck they do. I know what they that do. is. They smile on your face all the while to take your place. It's a warning. I get it. No, you I... have to hear the song. What they do. That's the dim that they do. You know what you say. I know. No, 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 no. I'm not saying what the what they're saying is wrong. I, out of that whole song, the what they do part, so it dope. just feels like they added it in the song. So when they're doing it live, they could like stop and look at they could like turn around for a second, look at the audience, go what they do, and, and the then audience go, gonna say it back. That's just fly as fuck. Yeah, maybe you're right. You go what they do, and the crowd <laughs> go what they, they do. do. Fuck yeah, that, that's that's showmanship. <laughs> I'm glad they put that in there. That's like a bass. That's like a beat. You're out of your mind. That's a cool move in the song. Niggas, right. White people probably came to that concert for that part. Are oh, they about to do the thing? What they do, right? Oh, man. <laughs> and then doop, doop, doop the rest of the song. That, that You're right. Okay, all right. You won me over. All right, it's so an this, iconic part. All right, I so check this out. Check this out. This track was on the soundtrack for Looking for Mr. Goodbar. That's a movie with, like, Diane Keaton where she fucks a bunch of dudes. It's also in Carlito's Way. This is the thing that I wanted. Uh, the uh, This song was found and collected as evidence because they found it in O.J. Simpson's infamous white Ford Bronco. Backstabbers. Backstabbers. That is very on the nose. It's in his car. This record is in his car and in the stereo when they turned it on, Backstabbers was what was playing. Thoughts on that? Riff, go. Go, Uh, have fun with this. Have fun uh, with this uh, morsel uh, of... Very on the nose. (laughs) Uh, dink, Or... Maybe OJ is, some, is a real maniacal motherfucker, and that's how 
like he let us know that he did it without saying that he did it. OJ's in the back, just fucking upset, just like so, and like you know, Al's playing this, like like you know, you listening to the lyrics? We ain't wrong. We ain't wrong. <laughs> we ain't wrong, baby. I got you. You the juice. You the juice, man. Come on. No, it's. I think that's perfect. I, I mean, just like you listen to music before you listen to a set, like when you're running from the police, yeah. you know, you kill so you kill your wife and the guy dropping off her sunglasses. You know, you want to listen Everybody, to some. You need theme music, I guess, for anything you do. So if Backstabbers was his fucking song of choice. Love Train. We got to talk about Love Train. We got to talk about Love Train. We have to talk about Love Train. Uh, so this is the third single release from the record. It topped both the pop singles and the black singles charts in the U.S. And only the only time they achieved that feat and reached number nine in the U.K. And it was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 2006. The extended version of the song clocks in at six minutes and 15 seconds. The lyrics make a call for unity and world peace, mentioning England, Russia, China, Egypt, Israel, and Africa. Love Train was was the first of our big messages songs. In 72, is explosive, too. Vietnam, see, this all makes sense now. Vietnam was rumbling. The rich were getting richer. Mm -hmm. So it was the perfect time to sing about social issues. The song mentioned places that were having human rights problems, but in a positive, hopeful way. Yeah, so I do think... That is why they closed the record with it. After all this negativity, you have this song that's saying the world's a fucked up place, but if we all follow love, which is everything my guru says, is just lead with love and everything will be fine. According to Eddie Levert of the OJs, when they started working on this song, it didn't have lyrics. Producer Kenny Gamble wrote them on the spot in about five minutes. By the time we started laying down the vocals, we knew we had a hit. Love Train felt like destiny. It was it was so perfect, timeless with lyrics that it almost as if they had come from God and had to deliver them to Order. the people. Because that song's still out. You ready for this? You ready for how white people fuck shit up? Okay. The song was played at the 2016 Republican National Convention where Donald Trump was nominated. This was the song. Love Train. Love Train. The version, though, was called Trump Train, uh, the use of the song did not sit well with the OJs who were not asked permission. This happens all the time. Yeah, white people took it as stolen. It's not even just white people. Well, it's just this. In that, in that, okay. I'm talking Republicans. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is this happens all the time where it's like, and it's not even just black artists or, or white. It happens with, with artists. Yeah. Where they get uh, their shit stole. Born in the USA is a song. It's an anti-war song. It's about coming back from Vietnam or coming back from the war. And Reagan played that yeah. like at his convention. Wow. So, and it's like, it's going against everything. Like love train is, is everything against what Trump on the inside really is feeling. Maybe on the surface with his like, no, we got to, you know, bring everybody. He was like, he, it's just a bunch of bullshit. Use of the song did not sit you well with the OJs. Yeah, dude. You tell them, Jam. I'm, I'm right about some things. Use of the song did not sit well with the OJs who were not asked permission. Eddie Levert and Walter Williams responded with a statement saying they were asked to appear at the convention but declined as Trump was divisive and at odds with the overriding message of their song. Uh, Williams later said, we're about unity, not division. Trump says he's going to make America great again. I would ask him, when was it not great for you? My dad didn't give me a million dollars. What a joke. That wasn't the first interaction with the former president as for the love of money was the theme song to The Apprentice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you did sing that earlier. Do -do, do -do, do -do. That was them? Do -do. Yes, yes. Do -do -do -do. OJs. Man, man, man. 
Not nigga, listen to the bass line. Do 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 dup dip bop dip dup do do. You don't think I can do that? Huh? You don't think I can do that? Do do. Bet it. 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 I don't give a fuck. I love, I love, I love the trajectory of your career, man. You you booked some really cool acting work. Was that like a plan to to like to get into acting? At, at this when it happened, uh, I used to have a show on MTV called Broke Ass Game. I remember that. With who was the other guy? David Magadoff. Where's he? Successful, successful actor. He was just in the, the last season of Dexter. Okay, like the cop. Okay. One of the cop. One of the redhead cop. But uh, now, um, after Viacom changed presidents and pulled my show, and I just bombed in an audition at Fox when I was in L.A. doing policies back back. Back when I used I to, go, to, used to go there, yeah. I, my mother had to fly out to LA to make sure I would, wouldn't jump off a fucking bridge because I was like, "What are you doing?" Like, because I knew, I knew, broke ass game show was gonna be a hit. Really? Because like, when we got the second season, then we got a Christmas episode. I said, "Yeah, man, we about to renew them contracts, nigga." <laughs> oh my god, I'm about to be pop culture. Yeah, niggas gonna know about broke ass game show in Dubai. Yeah, broke ass game show. I I was going off like we going everywhere. Broke ass game show London. Broke like I was like we got it. Me and Dave got it. We about to be millionaires, right? And then they changed the presidents. They say yeah, they pulled broke ass game show. Oh and man. And off, and I made that kind of money off a reality television show. That's basically a reality television show. So at that point, I, I lost it. I said, "Fuck reality." I'm reading scripts, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Well, I'm gonna just have to do that because that's first of all that talking shit is crazy, and then if you land the right role, you can go for seasons." Mm -hmm. Mind you, we about to be on. I think season five, of Last OG is coming out. I'm gonna put it out there. But yeah, I've been in four seasons of a cool show on TBS. So. Learn to act. That's great. I was like, I'm just have to learn how to act because this shit stinks. Did you go like, to classes? Yeah, I took uh, I took a lot of privates when I was in L.A. with my okay. girl Trish. Uh, Trisha Lafash is her name. Uh, beautiful redhead lady. Sup, Trish? That taught me how to uh, get in because she got me um she got me tight for when I did Will and Grace. She got me she got me ready for that pilot that I shot with the same people because I did well on Will and Grace. No, because I did well on the pilot they put me on Will and Grace. Yeah. Okay. So and then uh. And that was my first real practice acting chops for sitcoms. It was when I was actually on the set of a sitcom. So it was like, oh, this shit is meant to be. As soon as I said, fuck reality, and I'm just go ahead and learn how to just move to a direction and then really try to, you know, put a character inside of a inside of a minute on a screen, like act. Yeah. So would you, wait, wait, because it's, I always, I want to act, but I just want to act so I can do more stand up. Right, Absolutely. same thing. That's that's all I want. I just my want better dream, spots. My biggest dream, and a lot of people think movies, mansions, all that. I just want to sell out a comedy club four yeah. times over. That's it. Can I get two sold out Friday, <laughs> two sold out Saturday? And I'll then, do light Thursday. Then they add a Sunday. I'll do light Thursday. And I'll do a light Thursday. <laughs> but nigga, can I just sell out, sell out to the wall for a weekend? I, I feel like you. I will I, act until those moments happen, and when those moments happen, I'll be like, well, can I sell out a sick show? It's never like. We do a Madison Square. That'll want... come when it comes. Yeah. Just let me sell on the road so I can get these bonuses. Yeah. Let me sell a couple t-shirts. This is the reason I act. I know it's not a big bite off. I know I should be biting off more, shooting for the start. Fuck that. Can I go to a weird city and enough people know me that they pack the fucking room out four times? That's it. That's it. I, I just, yeah. there's nothing worse than life on the road is the unknown headliner. 
Do you know what I mean? When you're yeah. getting a lot of soft tickets, you're getting a lot of people that are like comps or they get free shit and you get an audience of, let's say 200 people and I'd say 40% of them know who you are and the other 60% have no idea who you are. So they're just out because there's, we're going to a comedy club and yeah. there's a free comedy show we can go to. And then you got to, every night, I always feel like I'm proving myself. Yeah, man. Which you're doing anyway because we're always proving ourselves. Every time we go up, especially at, at the stand, at the cellar, at the improv, at the comedy yeah. store, like you're going up with, you're going up with killers. Yeah. Well, for the most part, that are all professional comics and have their point of view or, or established. So we all are, in a sense, always showcasing and always trying to do our best but it's like when you got to do a fucking hour and they don't give a fuck and this is in LA or New York and this is in the comedy store so it's like it's got an engraved in respect because when we're at you're at the comedy store if you're on a lineup at the comedy store they're going to be like oh well this is arguably one of the greatest clubs in the world so I these guys I trust these guys but when you're at the house of comedy in Plano Texas they don't give a fuck who you are and that sucks so let me keep doing something that they can keep seeing me. You know, I know I'm supposed to get my TikTok numbers up. That's but I so like hard. Acting. I'd rather just go on TV. Like, it's just, I don't, I like long form. I know. Let me go on something, get in front of a camera, start with nigga. When I, I just did Blue Bloods, that shit was fun. You're booking, man. You're Blue doing Bloods good. was great. Donnie, Donnie Wahlberg is a motherfucker. Like, I'm like, oh, we having fun right now. Yeah. Can't do this shit on TikTok. This is great. Yeah. I'm like, me and Donnie are trading jokes. Like, he's about to bust me for having fake cocaine. But I'm telling jokes on a fucking CBS show. He was like, who bought that radio? I was like, that's LL Cool J's radio. Uh, <laughs> and he cut. Did you just say that was LL Cool I'm like, hey, why not? Acting. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, it's just more fun. So I, I, know, I like this shit. I do too, man. Even though Broke Ass Game Show taught me a lot about improv, but I do like the trade-off with can we do the pace of this script? Right. So that people go, damn, this is, they actually doing that. <laughs> like, it's like, I like, it's like, um, I was bad at reading music. Okay. I couldn't do it. What instruments do you play, by the way? I, this is going to be so funny. Please. I got, I was so good at playing. Well, first of all, I changed the name of it because in high school, I used to play the congas and the timbales and all that, the little, all the drums behind the drummer. Yeah. Here go the drummer with the I get set. It. I'm the nigga you with were, all the, the... You were percussion. Yeah, I was... No, I, no. let me double down. This is what I used to call in high school. Auxiliary okay. percussion. You were AUX on the flyer, bruh. Yeah. Like, if we had a jazz festival or some shit like we had to go to or a competition, AUX, Derek Gaines. Are you fucking crazy? Percussion. <laughs> Just, ah. Uh, and they don't even put the whole word. It's P-E-R-C dot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I... So, when I... Pat Spino was my old jazz band teacher back mm. when I was in 10th grade. What's up, Pat? Pat Spino, old, cool Italian man. What's up, Pat? Uh, Pasquale was his whole name. Pasquale. I like that. And uh, he t- I was like, hey, Mr. Spino, do uh, do uh, percussionists win you know, jazz solo awards? He was like, it's not really a thing. It's not really a thing that auxiliary players you know, get jazz solo awards. I said, really? All right. So... That was the instrument I played. I played congas, and I played them good. I played them good enough that I could play with jazz, all kinds of jazz. Swing, uh, and then Latin jazz, but Latin jazz is where I shine, right? I, I shined in Latin jazz. And in solos, I would play, um, it would be a trade-off between me and the drummer. I was doing this in high school, trading off between me and the drummer. Mind you, the drummer from my school was like the top drummer in South Jersey. Like, he had a 
thing. What made it so poetic, he hated playing the drums. That's what was crazy. The nigga was so good at it, but he hated playing because his dad wanted to be a drummer and he wanted to be something else. So when he was hitting them drums, he was hitting his dad, right? So it was just like, <laughs> oh, shit. So this dude played with a different kind of passion. No, I get it. And so he would have like award-winning jazz solos. Like he's he's decorated. He's, Is he still doing he's it? He's a senior. No, he was a senior, in, uh, oh, he was a senior okay. when I was a sophomore, right? Jay, I forgot to think. Jay Williams, Jan, whatever the fuck his name is. But no. So... I got to keep up with this nigga. You see what I'm saying? I got to keep up with that when I'm 15. So now I'm forced to go and listen to fast pace. Mm, 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 mm. That kind of jazz. Swinging shit. And then uh, quick Latin jazz. I'm, I'm, I'm forced to go home for homework and listen to old, all these old jazz artists to go, okay. I got to get to that speed, like milestones type shit. So now to go up with Jay Andrews. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So I'm like, fuck. So now I'm playing at those speeds and I'm trying to listen to those sounds, right? So to play in that, and the Overbrook Jazz Band was like an award-winning jazz band, every section, like they won awards. So I came into an award-winning thing. So you talking about swimming with sharks, being with professionals, or not necessarily professionals, but good ass jazz musicians, and they all teenagers. Yeah. You kind of kind of step up. So when I asked him, do do kunga players get uh, solo awards? Not likely. That's what he said. But you could change. But he said you could change that. So for the next three years, I was in the jazz band, and then twelfth grade came, and I got a jazz solo award. Like I whooped ass. It was at the Lakewood Jazz Festival, uh, two thousand two. And man, oh man, I'll never forget that night because I like they put spotlight on me. I had four, I had four drums, and I was just doing and then from there I'd start walking around the drum and all this shit like that, and the crowd is fucking going. And then I brought Jay back in for him to finish out the song, nigga. Standing life has been a show for me because I look back and go, damn, I was doing this shit in high school. I don't even. I forget we were getting on the bus, backstage, getting ready to go up in front of the na- murderer, and yeah. I had to murder then. So comedy, it was coming. Showmanship was coming. I was like, I just didn't know what it was until I was nineteen. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. I was 19. I was playing a concert at the University of Arts in Philly, and I was going to that school. I got a scholarship to go there. I got a little partial scholarship. I got a Louis, because uh, senior year of high school, I got a Louis uh, Louis Armstrong Jazz Award. Right? I got a little award for playing jazz. And then um, fucking, I get, to high, I get to college, and I'm already like, I'm partially in. So I was like the freshman. I was playing in three bands. Yeah. I was playing in acid jazz, uh, Latin jazz, and big band. So, so I'm playing all these. I'm playing. I'm going to school. I'm kicking ass every day playing. Yeah. But in fucking music, music, music theory and all, I'm bombing. I'm bombing in music theory. It's tough. I, I'm, I'm. I suck at piano. Oh, it's bad. So I'm my, my grades up. Performance wise, I'm killing. <laughs> you're, this you're all gonna make, this all gonna make sense. A's this is all gonna make sense. Performance wise, I'm fucking murdering, right? But music scholastically, I'm bombing. So 
I hear music, but I can't read it. But all the while I'm in school to block the fact that I felt like a dummy, I was telling jokes, right? So one night at a concert, I'm playing. I'm playing. And I'm just like, and then my solo comes up. I solo. I'm, I'm doing solos in college now. So it's like, all right. So this, this is nice. I'm like, my mom, my girlfriend at the time. Jamming, right? And then, you know, remember the song uh, Grinding by the Clips? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I played that. Somehow I cut it into the, I was playing, I was playing little combos and whatever. And then something, you see I can that on Congo. Crowds going fucking nuts at a jazz concert, right? <laughs> so the spotlight's on me. I already flipped the fucking frequency, right? I flipped yeah. the frequency. Yeah. And then spotlight goes off me, goes back to the main dude. And there was the epiphany. I don't want to be behind some dude playing a solo you and the spotlight goes yeah. off of me. I want the whole spotlight. You're not background. People's, I'm playing still, but in my head I'm going, people always said I was funny. And I remember Jose telling me about that comedy club on 2nd and Wait. South. This in Philly. Yeah. 2nd and South in Philly. But to get to 2nd, true shit, you have to cross Philly International Studios, where the OJs, where the OJs film their fucking music, nigga. You know, but you know, it's I'm able to bring it back even more. What was the main percussionist name? The guy that you had to give the shine up to? What was his name? What, uh, the guy that got, that got to finish it. The guy you're in the background. Well, Jay, the, the real drummer. Yeah. The drummer. What's drummer. his name? Jay. Andrews? Jay. Little did little did Jay know that in your head he should have. You in your head you, you were the backstabber. You were like <laughs> you're like bang bang. Yeah. Oh, well, you take my plate. <laughs> you take my plate. He's you stab I, him I, in I the back. I decided to talk. And there and this is the deep weird hard weed part. This is where I started to learn to read music. It wasn't with music at all. It was with jokes. It was with punchlines. It's with tags. It's with pauses. It's with fucking setups. For premise, sure. It's jazz, dude. Yeah. So dude, I'm it's like, the oh, notes. The, the, more, the most important notes are the ones that aren't played. Mm -hmm. It's holding that. Dude, there is never. There's a better. Like, and I lo that's why I love doing an hour is because when you can, you don't have to rush. You can just take your time. I don't have to be big energy throughout the whole thing. I can start big and then bring it down and do this. But I can just sit in that moment and know I fucking got them. There you go. They, they, will, they will go any direction I go and they're waiting for the next thing to come out. Um, dude, I love this. I'm so glad you came in for this. All right, hey, hold man. on. I like a little music. So hold on. Let's see if we got any. And then that was a, a drawn out. For all the listeners, it's a drawn out story because I'm two joints in. <laughs> and I'm just rambling the fuck on because I got T-H-E voice. Yeah. T-H-C voice is when you just and talk and talk and talk and talk and you think you sound deep, but you don't. So yeah, <laughs> that's really it. All right. We, we got make some... you like the sound of your own voice. That's what I hate. That's yeah. the only thing. That's the only drawback with we. This. All right. We've got some Patreon questions that we're going to wrap this shit up. All, all right. right. Um, let's see which one to do. All right. Tommy Sheridan, does a couple need to have 992 arguments to really know one another? I don't think so. Do you think that a relationship works? Like, if there are, are there couples that don't argue? It's me and my girl. And my Bullshit. Girl. No arguments whatsoever. That's why the fuck I can't leave her. Yeah. She's never annoyed me. I say I'm annoyed <laughs> by fucking every... You she know doesn't, me, but she doesn't argue with you because you, you can... Dude, when you're on one, when you're on one, when you are on one, and you and, and you guys live together, no, we don't. Uh, okay, never. Mind. That's why All I right. have to have my own space. She has her own space. Shit, she's damn. She's rich. 
She almost just broke me around all the yeah. goddamn time. Doesn't she want to rescue you? And like get <laughs> yeah. you to like she's fucking rich. with a nice she's, kitchen? She's, she's she's doing well. She has a good job, a man. Doorman? You don't want to do- move into her doorman building? Nah, man. But I kind of like, I, I, I'm one of them weirdos, bruh. I kind of need to be alone sometime. No. And when I'm, I mean sometime, I mean a lot. I'm same. Yeah, so it's like, I can't wait. She understands that I have to buy my own Manhattan apartment. I'm not moving in because if we break up, then I got to move out and then I got to figure out what the fuck. Nah, so I might as well just get a spot and, move, and, we, and we coexist and this is how the relationship is good. This is how it keeps it nice. This is why we don't have arguments because we have enough time to miss each other. We come back, swap, swap, swap. It's beautiful. I've ruined every relationship because I move in fast. But to answer your question, Tommy, does a couple need to have 992 arguments? I think, uh, you know, which, who the fuck am I? I've only been in too long term. I think you have to argue. I, I think there is, but it's just, if it's, it can't, you know, if you're doing 992, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, you got to believe that, that that's that number. A high, is that a high number? 992, is, that's almost a thousand arguments. But that's in mean, what span of time should we say? That's that? what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would say, I mean, over the course of the relationship, Tommy, you should have called a backup question. You should be a little bit more specific. I appreciate your 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 feelings and the fact that you wrote it in. This one is from Chelsea Livingston. Thank you for subscribing to the Patreon. 992 arguments wasn't planned as a single, but it ended up being one because it was getting so much love on the radio. Have you guys ever had something you made become un- unexpectedly popular? Yep. What? Uh, that goofy-ass joke I do with that song. with the, with biscuits. the biscuits? I didn't think it was going... Because, first of all, me and Matt Richards did it. He made the melody, and I just started tagging it. But, you know, Matt is such a genius with that shit. So yeah, we were singing it all in Rhode Island, did it on the show. He wanted to do it in New York, so I, I gave him the joke. It was like, all right, it's a joke. He did it, it bombed, so he gave it back to me. <laughs> so I was just like, all right, fuck it. I, I, thanks. I'll tell you. Everybody's happy that mama done made the biscuit. Did he not shit. do it like that? That's exactly how he did it. He, he played it, and this is back at the Village Lantern. This is when uh, Yamanika used to host a Friday night okay. at the Village Lantern. Eons. I'm talking like 2010, 2011. Right? So, man, oh, man. I did the joke one night, and I knew it was going to be a classic because Yamanika ran out the room. She if ran. Get- I, I've never seen. When I saw who I think is the funniest woman in New York City run out the room, I said, yeah, I think I might have a, I'd a, say a she's, jam on my hand. She, in my opinion, she's one of the funniest people, I think, I've ever met. She might be what she, yeah, she. Yam's my favorite person to follow. Yeah. That's made me better. She's worth, but she, she brings a crowd out, man. She bring them motherfuckers. She we can, dude, we can, we have energy, dude. We're, we're different comics, dude. I'm not, even if I'm different, I, my whole thing out here is I enjoy the fact that I swim with sharks. Yeah. I swim with sharks in the city. I'm not a guppy no more. I hang, I'm not a guppy. I hang with killers. Like all my friends rock. I go, it ain't about me. It's just like, fuck, these niggas is getting good. I got to go home and write something. Yeah. Because these motherfuckers just out here talking. Do you think if you, if you would have gone to LA instead of fucking New York, do you think you'd be in the same position you're in? I would have never been as good. I would have never been as good. There's, there's been nights 
in New York, I've gotten on stage. Shit, there's been weekends I've gotten on stage 15 times. I know, man. You, so you, like, yeah, you work a lot. So I was like, damn. And from a from a Thursday to a Sunday, I've been on stage 15 times in New York City. You can do that out here. I know. You can't do That's unheard of. <laughs> Unless I got the fucking golden ticket. Because, my God, that L.A. luck, that luck to be passed at that store quick, and then you get to work all three rooms, that's like winning the but lottery. That's not, it's not even. if You got to look at it like, and I'll use him. I know he got canceled, but when Chris D'Elia was at the height of Chris D'Elia and he can do anything he wants, and he's also hungry because he's not like shooting a film or he, he hasn't really started booking all that stuff. But at one point, he was at he was at Laugh Factory, the improv, and the comedy store tonight. The most you could do is two, four... Six. You could only get one spot at the comedy store. Maybe they put him up at the belly room or in the, or in the in the main room, but I doubt it. Like I think the most I ever see him do is three or four sets. That's like, and that's a good night. That's like at a club. That's incredible. That's tonight yeah, for me. That's for tonight. Exactly. It's like, man, man, fuck L.A. You changed. It's like me. getting on stage. Fun. Eh, it was fun, but that them delays. Waiting for them auditions going on. It's a long, it's a long day. It's a long day. There's something, the day moves so much faster here. It just does. LA's insane, dude. Yeah. It's the wild, wild west for real. Yeah. And I didn't understand it until I was really hanging out there. Yeah. Bad car accidents, just getting in fucking fights. It was just, I was, it was. But at the same time, there were high points, but not that many. Yeah. And it was just, I don't know why. It stressed me out. All my friends was over here. You know, and you know, sharks can't swim in a desert. <laughs> it's a desert over there. Yeah. And plus, I'm not past at the store. But thank but God you would. for thank for Nichelle for the belly room. No, I didn't even need the other two rooms because the belly room was such a fucking reminder that oh, okay, you still got to show off a little bit. And the belly room showed me. So that might have been the best part of LA for me was the belly room because I had to follow. It was it was always me and BT Kingsley at the end. And we would just try to tear each other's head off with jokes like Hosted this. by Tony Baker, probably, right? Tony or DC. Yeah, or... yeah. It was always a good... Oh, DC. DC. I was always there when DC Urban hosted. Yeah. Fucking amazing little room. And man, oh man, I was so mad. Um, that's what... Because all the video girls used to go there. And Melissa Ford was there one time. And I was... I wanted to get up because I had a joke for her. But yeah. She was hanging out with niggas, of course. And then she left with them. And, if, and I was like, fuck. I just... Mm, I wanted that moment. I yeah. had a joke for her fucking fine ass. And that's that's the shit LA said. Oh, let's forward the crowd. Oh, let me let me show off a little bit. But no, the belly room. That belly might have, that's what kept me going. That and the Hollywood improv. The, the the lab. The lab part. The lab, belly room. Big room, great. But sometimes they was too cool for school in there. It was a hard crowd to crack. Or I'd get bumped until like two in the morning because yeah. all the stars is working on a fucking roast material for Comedy Central. Yeah. Just it was always I'm like, God damn, it's always something. I'm always getting pushed. Bro, nope, not yet. You're talking to Mister. I'm last on every show I, I go on, dude. Me. And I don't. I, I want to go to bed early. Yeah, I remember <laughs> sometimes people would come to see me, and then I get pushed to like 1:30 in the morning. I'm like, damn. They say. Let me ask you this, Derek, because they say that is it is a compliment to us that they do put us last. But is I mean, is it going last? Stinks on a showcase. Going last is perfect when you headline. When you're headlining, of course, yeah. yeah. But there, there's only yeah, there's showcase. Only, there's give only, me third or fourth. There's there's thirty minutes before you at a at a headlining set. But I will say in New York, I love going last. Okay. Because they let me burn that light. Yeah, you can go longer. And I go long. Yeah. And, and the crowd is especially the late show. Shout out to the stand for implementing the late show again. 
trying to get their numbers back up. There's a new 12 o'clock show that they do every weekend yeah. on the show. And I close those. I'm always on the 115 spot. So it's just like, yeah, man, come on out. But no, in New York, it's just, um, but showcase shows going last, especially in LA. It's, uh, yeah. It's, I'm but, so used uh, to it at this point. But uh, New York trained me. New York really showed. Philly, Philly strengthened me. It Philly built, strengthened. I, built a, I got a foundation from Philly in order to go, to, in order to be able to stand in New York. And then I got it. I believe that. I believe you. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't that know. The first I, five years of Philly, I needed. That was the absolute. That was the incubation period. I needed that. Were you that? Order to, were you? Did you? Were you good at all? Or you just? We just. We could. First hang two years, with, I was corny. Yeah. Like, two year and day one of year three, something happened, bro. You don't I remember? I just started waking the, like I just started figuring it the fuck out. Like uh, my okay, my shitty jokes that I did have, but I knew how. I just knew how to put them out there. Like uh. I had a, I had this joke about falling, and you know you do the black first. Light. I keep on falling. Not 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 that not not, not not that. But no, just I knew how to I knew how to present a punchline. Yeah. So I start making them crowds pop a little quicker than everybody else. So they start making me host on on the weekend shows. I started I started doing uh I started hosting the Thursday night. That's the tough night. Really? I was bombing on it yeah. and I stopped bombing and I started getting good and they let me start hosting that motherfucker. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it was like and then uh, I started doing feature spots on the weekend and start cooking the headline. Like that's what Philly brought me to that. Granted, I might have not been saying anything, but I was performing with the energy and I had time. Yeah. So I had jokes. They were just but they just weren't worked on. They were just like good for what I had in Philly. But my God, I was only five years in. I'm a, I'm a little kid at this point. It's, but I'm like a, an outstanding kindergartner. That's what I was. You probably have, at five years, eight good minutes. But You yeah. can do 20. You can do 30. But, but I, was got... doing, I was doing like the Keswick theaters. I'm, doing the, I'm, I'm packing out theaters. I was doing church shows so I could play clean. I was doing clean and dirty. So I'm living two kind of lives. And I start getting up at Helium. That's the mainstream. That's the white club. I was getting up at the white clubs and shit like that. Yeah. So I was the one cruising through the city trying to figure it the fuck out. And then niggas got in my ear about New York. Year four, I'm in Philly. They're like, you hear about this place called The Cellar? Kevin Hart went there. That's why he blowing up. Yeah. To this and that. And you keep hearing and I hear spank. Because niggas from Philly would come back from New York like they just went to Narnia or, or like <laughs> Lord of the Rings. You should have seen it. Colin Quinn was. Yeah. And David Tell and Rodriguez was. A, they were sitting at this back table and then you couldn't go back there. And, and then such and such. Louis C.K. showed up. And you, you know, what, what, what is this place that they keep talking? So year four in Philly, that's what I started to hear. Mm-hmm. Like I gotta go up there, so I started checking it out, and it didn't make sense until I started doing well. So when I started doing well up there, and I was going back and forth, and I was doing like Times Square Art Center, and I started rocking them little back when the Laugh Factory was in New York. I, that? I don't remember that. You but weren't I've, there. I've heard there was a Laugh Factory in New York. What's it now? It. It, it was like ha. That's not ha. I okay. don't even know what that building is anymore. Uh, I watched that shit go from the Laugh Factory, Times Square Art Center, to a Halloween store porno shop. <laughs> but it was always a porno shop downstairs but they, just, they just lifted it all the way up so yeah. it was like put the pussy on all the floor so uh, yeah man and then year five to Ray the dude that taught me how to write a joke he said to me we was on the same show in New York because he was going back and forth too he said if I never told you anything you gotta move up to New York you can't be in Philly no more you, you, you cannot become a local celebrity I won't let you because you did what you had to do down there yeah. you stayed yourself you were a nigga from the suburbs that kept coming to Philly, and you got funnier than all the niggas in Philly at the time. You got to get up out of here. So I was like, all right. So I moved to New York in two thousand at the end of 2008, 
in into 2008 into 2009 and the rest is history all right ready do rapid fire questions that i ask everybody yeah okay favorite song on the record uh backstabbers i'm gonna say i mean it sincerely when the world's at peace when the world's at yeah, peace going on and on fuck about man that song is so That's good the first song in the album. i know but it, it it really made me think that the record was going to be different backstabbers backed it up and i was like okay and then it, it there because they're just it, it never felt cohesive this record is good i just don't think it's like uh oh i don't think there was it doesn't feel like they have the same producer even though they did it just feels like it's different just my opinion Least favorite song on the record. Oh, least favorite song on the record. Least. Let me see. Mr. Lucky? That's mine. Yeah. I don't like that one. Fuck yeah, dude. We're blood brothers. What song on this record? <laughs> what song on this record would you fuck to? Uh think uh Love Train. Really? It's just to be an asshole. And just <laughs> do, uh, I, I like I fuck on beat. I'm I'm I make a clap, sit I'm gonna make her go like this while she's on top. <laughs> I think I'm gonna pick Time to Get Down. I think that song was their that's like their pussy song on this record. Time to get down. Time to get down. That was the one I was listening and I was like, I can fuck I mean I can fuck to this whole record. I, I do you put music on? I'm big into putting music on. I like movies for some reason. I like movie scores playing in the background. Another question, sorry. No, last question. The last thing is you just got to promote away, dude. Promote anything you want to promote. Uh, promotion. Palladium? Well, Mi- well, I got some stuff coming out. I can't, like, just uh, keep it. Nah, I can't, I, it's not even, I, I can't even announce some of the flash shit that I'm doing right Podcast? now. Podcast. Podcast. Listen to No Need for Apologies on Gas Digital Network. It's me and my good buddy, Dave Temple. We, uh, we talked a good... It's like recess with your two fun cousins. Yeah. And uh, we really just shoot the shit as comics and we bring on guests, uh, you know, just to talk, just to talk whatever's going on in our mind. And, you know, when we say no need for apologies, don't say sorry, but just have a fun, funny way. I just talking about, you know, the ins and outs of what this world is. No need for apologies, me and Dave. Uh, and you can see us on YouTube. We got a YouTube channel, No Need for Apologies podcast. And if you're if you're in New York City, most nights you can see you at the stand. You're at the stand a lot. Fuck a lot. Yeah, and so go see Derek because uh, he rules. Uh, dude, this was great, man. It's a fun time. Very Thank musical, you, brother. Very fun. Great dog, Derek. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? The one and only Derek Gaines. And you can follow him on Instagram at The Great Boy and on Twitter at Derek1Gaines. For listeners, shout out. I'm just going to go randomly to the Instagram. I'm going up here. I'm touching on that. I'm clicking the 500. I am going to see who is the last person that left a comment. And it is... Exina Bird, X I N A B I R D. I love you, Exina. Thank you for being a part of uh, this thing that I started. All right, OJ's from 72. We have soul singer Sam Henshaw. You're listening to Still Broke off their 2022 record, Untidy Soul. And it's, oh, this is a good song, though. Listen to it. Ooh, let it groove. Uh, and their music's on our website, the500podcast.com. Uh, send us your songs to the500podcast at gmail, and I'll play it. 
Next week is the Pixies week. Oh, we got a main mommy on too. It's 1988 Surfer Rosa. Tune in. Let's have some fun. Do your homework. Oh, but I don't have a girlfriend We broke up on the weekend Said I kept on repeating All my faults and flaws Don't got no options lately That's how it looks so far Should've woken up for pain Would save me from my wrongs There's still empty parts And I guess I'm still broke Yes, I'm still broke I Something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, forward, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King, an off road minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Next Chapter Podcasts.